Alright everybody, welcome to Talking Taker, episode number 38 of our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio, I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking, and I am one of your co-hosts, one of the creatures of the night, and I am joined by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, Travis White, and Travis, my man, I'm so disappointed today. We were so, so close to getting Undertaker versus Ahmed Johnson's left butt cheek. Man, just a couple weeks away <laughs> from seeing that epic matchup we've been building to for weeks and weeks. And unfortunately, we're not going to get it. Are you as heartbroken as I am? I am. I was looking forward to covering a match where Ahmed's butt cheek was a exposed for 12 to 15 minutes but yeah heartbroken as we as we're gonna break down here uh in your house 16 canadian stampede uh unfortunately ahmed's on his good run of bad luck again and uh card subject to change plans to get a turn for possibly the worst i'm not sure we'll see well, we'll talk about it here i mean before we get to that you talk about card subject to change let's just talk for a few minutes about what <laughs> happened uh, a week ago with the greatest Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Uh, we just want to cover this real quick. We'll cover it uh, in a couple years from now when we hit it uh, in our yep. encyclopedic exploration of the Undertaker's matches. But since it just happened, and since we've done that with the Undertaker's other appearances as we've been going along, we'll just spend a couple minutes giving our opinions on a match I honestly thought I would never see. The nope. Undertaker versus Rusev in a casket match on Rusev Day of all days. <laughs> I know. Uh, it was originally announced as Undertaker versus Rusev, switched to Undertaker versus Chris Jericho for a hot minute, switched back to Undertaker versus Rusev, and it, it somehow lasted longer than the Undertaker's WrestleMania match. Yeah. Uh, this is just <laughs> looking uh. back on it. I mean, looking back on it a week later, it's really weird. Looking back on it a few years from now, it's going to be crazy to think that this match happened. But just in a in a bubble, it, with a quick and dirty little summary, what did you think of The Undertaker putting away Rusev in a casket match in front of 100,000 Saudi Arabians? <laughs> 100,000? It looked like a lot of people. Oh, I, could, I didn't count bad guys with swords. Anyway, uh... That was my little Aladdin. Uh, anyway, uh, I thought it was fun, honestly. Uh, I'm glad Rusev got a good payday off of it. I'm sure he did. Um, he got to be in a, in a featured spot, not just a you know, jabroni in the Rumble, like uh, that giant sumo wrestler guy that came out of nowhere, or Hornswoggle, um, or Titus O'Neil's bump of the century. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I thought it was good. It was fun. Uh, the crowd loved seeing Undertaker. Um that was really fun, and I'm just going to say that uh, Aiden English took a stiff ski, stiff ski tombstone, man. He landed on his head. I mean, it looked rough, but uh, it was fun. You know, it was a fun little match. Again, I don't want to break down too much because we'll get to it in a couple years here on the podcast, but I enjoyed it. Uh, it was a fun little nostalgia act for us because he's going back to the to the crypt here and I pulled out a coffin or a casket. So that was fun to see. We haven't seen one of those in a long time. So um, it was really, really neat and fun in my opinion. How about you? What'd you think about it? Yeah. You know, I, my only complaint would be, I wish we gotten a little bit of buildup for it. Sure. There was a little yeah. bit on Twitter, but you know what this match <laughs> needed? 
it needed some of those old school Undertaker casket match promos where he's handcrafting yeah. Rusev's casket <laughs> with a Bulgarian mm. flag on the top of or, it or something like that. Or like the inside has like Rusev Day in it or something. Yes. Like the, oh, the lining. <laughs> that would have taken it over the top. But, you know, it, 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 it was good for what it was. This is, I think this is about the best we can expect from the undertaker in 2018 and beyond sure you know it's we should not be getting our hopes up for some wrestlemania 25 or 26 level match or even like 20 29 against uh, cm punk i mean i think those Golly. days yeah. have passed and that's fine he's what 53 54 years old uh at this level you know bad knees bad legs bad everything but uh, as we said on the wrestlemania episode if he's certainly earned the right to go out and do these types of matches and have fun if he wants to and give a little rub to Rusev. Like, it's really cool that Rusev gets to say he had a casket yeah, match with exactly. the Undertaker. I mean, 20, <clears throat> can you imagine 20 years ago, Rusev would have been an incredible opponent for the Undertaker. Yeah. Man, he, he, I was, he seems yeah. like a heel that uh, is 20 years too late. You know, uh, yeah. he would have fit in perfectly in the new generation or, or even in the Hogan era. So it was really cool to see him go up against a guy yeah. of that era. And uh, my other, only other thought was going back to that Aiden English thing, taking that tombstone, you know, Shoo. look, when you ban the tombstone and when you ban the pile driver, guys aren't used to taking it. You know, right. like back in the day, the tombstone wasn't an unsafe thing because exactly. guys took that bump all the time. You took it over and over again. In English, if he has ever taken that bump, he probably took it five, six, seven years ago. He hadn't taken a bump like that in ages. And so, right. yeah, he's probably not going to take it right. So, you know, it's not the Undertaker's fault. It's honestly this the WWE's fault for not letting guys take that sort of bump or get trained to it. It's not necessarily an unsafe bump unless you don't know how to do it and you don't know how yeah. to do it if you don't do it every night. So very true. He dropped him on his stack of dimes. So that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Like, I felt the tingle in my spine. When I saw that. I was like, Oh, and, and it hurt, hurt to watch. So anyway, anyway, we so. will cover that uh, one day down the road and any more like matches. Episode one eighty eight or something. Continue to have. That's <laughs> yeah. right. We can talk about, just the strangeness of the greatest Royal rumble and all the, you know, controversies and, and political aspects of it. We're not going to jump into that here. Uh, you know, uh, I have thoughts, Travis, you may have thoughts. I don't know, but uh, we're just talking about the undertaker and his matches. And we're going to talk about another match right here at Canadian stampede in your house, 1997, not against Ahmed Johnson, but against big van Vader, the Mastodon, the man they call Vader uh some is they wcw when they say that oh maybe so maybe so. the man they call vader I never, I i've know. always wondered who they is yeah maybe i think it's WCW, wcw i think so man i'm glad you brought up wcw because that goes right into a point i wanted to make before we jump into this uh last time we talked about a july pay-per-view was july 1996 in your house international incident when undertaker faced gold dust in a dreadful match <laughs> and we talked oh, that's when about, they went international to Vancouver, right? Right, so. the international incident. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we talked about how that, that pay-per-view was just dreadful, and it was a yeah. WWF was putting on a six-man tag up against WCW's six-man tag at a pay-per-view of that same month with the NWO and the debut and the third man and that whole storyline and just how 
WCW had lapped the WWF at this period creatively. It's what everyone was into. I've mentioned, you know, I was a WWF guy, but at this time I was all in on WCW. WWF was an afterthought for me. I cared about WCW and the NWO. So it got me thinking as we hit July of this year and we hit Canadian Stampede, which is kind of kind of universally renowned and praised as one of the best WWF pay-per-views of all time. I was wondering what did it go up against with WCW with their offering? You know, this Canadian Stampede has Undertaker versus Vader and of course that famous 10-man tag with the Hart Foundation versus Stone Cold, Legion of Doom, Goldust, Ken Shamrock. WCW at the same time, they put on their Bash at the Beach pay-per-view and their lineup was a little bit different this year. They were in full swing of the NWO storyline. And so they had Roddy Piper against Ric Flair, Scott mm. Hall and Randy Savage versus DDP and Kurt Hennig. And then on top was Lex Luger and the Giant versus Hollywood Hogan and Dennis Rodman. So, you know, I don't think that Bash of the Beach 97 has that same aura about it as Bash of the Beach 96, but... You just look at the star power there with WCW. Right. They're still clearly on top. They're still in the midst of the 83 weeks, the famous 83 right. weeks that they're crushing the WWE and the competition. But looking back historically, everyone remembers Canadian Stampede. Everyone right. looks back at that as one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time. Me and you, we talked before the show did either one of us remember what was on the card at Bash of the Beach 97? Nope. No. <laughs> nope. This... I knew it was Hogan versus somebody, but I didn't know who, who it was. So. Exactly. And yeah. I think this is symbolic because, yes, WCW is still on top here, but the change has begun. You know, the, the in-ring product that WWF was putting out at this time has surpassed WCW, even if the ratings and the sure. money aren't quite showing that. And time has been far more kind to the WWF, even if the finances and the ratings weren't as much at this era. So it just goes to show what we're going to be seeing long-term. The pendulum is beginning to swing back to the WWF's favor. Yep, absolutely. No, you're right. I couldn't rattle off the any of the matches on Bash the Beach off the top of my head. But, yeah, everybody knows Canadian Stampede for basically the, being a one-match show. But um, out of four matches, one match steals a show, and the rest you can – Kind of skip, but we're going to cover one oh, of them man. here tonight. I disagree, dude. I think <laughs> oh, it's what? four oh, I'm sorry. I'm all-star sorry. matches, top to bottom. I'm sorry. I don't I don't agree with that. I do think that the opening match was, was good, and I do think the closing match is good, but the middle two, um, not so much. Okay. But, all right. We'll talk about it. But uh, anyway, yeah, we'll get to we'll get to that. So, um, yeah, it takes place on July 7th um, from uh, the Saddle Dome in Calgary. Alberta, Canada, for those of you Lance Storm fans out there. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. Again, they're going international here again. I use air quotes on that. To Canada. I guess that's their thing. In July, they go to Canada. For, that's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for I didn't even – I, I forgot. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> so uh, they didn't want to call this international incident too because why would you want to – it's like polishing up a turd again and calling it something fun. I don't know. Anyway, that was a bad analogy. But anyway, uh, we'll start out with our breakdown here of it. Um, raw – 2.13 on, on June June 9th. This is night after uh, King of the Ring. Um, Farouk fires Crush and Savio Vega from the nation here. at the I think it's the beginning of the show. Um, and he's going to challenge the 
two people he hates the most to a tag match next week on Raw. And he's and apparently the two people he hates the most in in life are the Undertaker and Ahmed Johnson. So uh, that's about all the build we get for this. Again, this is supposed to be building up Undertaker and Ahmed Johnson is supposed to be the main event here or the the WWF title match here at Canadian Stampede. So. Um, Yep, that's what we get as far as that episode overall. Yeah, Undertaker not on the night after King of the Ring. No. He's WWF champion, and they really don't even allude to what happened the night after, or, or at the end of King of the Ring with Ahmed Johnson hitting the Pearl River Plunge on the Undertaker. It's it's kind of just glossed over here yeah. uh, as we focus in more on Brett and Austin and, and Shawn Michaels and all of that sort of stuff, and and we do see the. The firing of Savio and Crush from the nation, so which is going to play into this buildup as well. But yeah, uh, you know, not much happening on that show, uh, and there's going to be a lot that happens on the next couple shows, though. So yeah. it's going to make up for it. Um, and that takes us to Raw 214, June 16th, 1997, and Farouk has promised two bigger, badder, and blacker members of the nation of domination <laughs> to replace. <laughs> Farouk and Savio Vega in the main event. It's going to be a mystery until we get there, until Farouk and his mystery partner take on Undertaker and Ahmed Johnson. So he wasn't happy with the amount of melatonin in their skin or something? I mean, what's the deal? He was really? just like, or melanin, I mean, not mel- Yeah, he's like, you know, they're, he's almost pulling a race card there, too, you know? Like, we got to get somebody blacker. So I don't understand, man. It's weird. But yeah, he's still got these racial overtones. Uh, I got, we thought that the white savior, um, the undertaker had solved race relations in the world wrestling federation, but apparently not. Apparently it's not. Still, <laughs> Farouk's not letting it die. So, um, it's going on here. So yeah, he, he promises to debut those two new members. And, uh, the main event of the show is Farouk and, um, one of the mystery partners, which is going to be comma. Of course. Already pop- seen him. Yeah. Yeah. As the, uh, um, Supreme, Supreme Ultimate Supreme Fighting, fighting Machine, machine. Yeah. yes, one of the Undertaker's rivals, and he gets yeah. he gets no reaction at all no. when he comes out. Just I don't know if the crowd forgot about him or I mean, just dead crowd as he comes out. Um, and you know, this is we, we got a little promo before the match as well with Paul Bearer. Uh, talking to Ahmed and Farouk, and Paul Bear's trying to put, you know, uh, he, remember he's still got the Undertaker under his control at this point. He's trying to assert some power over Ahmed Johnson, and Ahmed Johnson is not having that at all, uh, yelling at uh, Paul Bear to get out of his face, and he's going to do his own thing here. And, I mean, if you've watched wrestling at all, you probably know where this angle is going, that we don't right. know who the next man in the... Nation domination is going to be, but we've seen all this tension with Ahmed Johnson. You kind of put two and two together that he's going to end up turning on The Undertaker, but it was still pretty shocking, I think, because Ahmed and Farouk had had such a bitter blood feud for so long to think yeah. that he would join forces with Farouk. Even though it seems a little obvious, I still think there's a little bit of a shock value there, as we see at the end of this match. Oh, definitely, and I can't wait to get to his explanation because it makes no sense. But, uh, yeah, so, again, this main event is Farouk and Kama versus, like, and like you said, no reaction. Uh, these next few episodes of Raw, we're going to see lots of new talent debut on Monday Night Raw and in yes. the World Wrestling Federation. It's almost like, uh, you know, Raw after WrestleMania or these last few weeks have been here in the actual product. we got all these new call-ups and NXT and stuff. It feels like that, except none of these guys matter. But... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, mean, Kama, I mean, storyline-wise, they do, but I don't know. I mean, Kama is a Hall of Famer, so I take that, oof, take that back. Good so. point. <laughs> but um, He gets a freaking clean pin over the Undertaker here to, to yeah. win the match. With a rock bottom. He gets a rock bottom. <laughs> On uh, on Undertaker and then gets a a, a pin because Over the Undertaker WWF never champion. Yeah, he never got to tag in Ahmed Johnson. That was kind of the story. Uh, I don't really remember why, but he never. I don't think Ahmed ever tagged in. Right. That match, um, which can pull play into what happens afterward. But yeah, Kama comes back, no reaction. It gets an, a gives a rock bottom, which before it was called that, to Undertaker and pins him one two three clean in the middle of the ring. It was so strange. Um, well, I think Kama was in the uh, the old Bone Street crew, so maybe Undertaker oh, yeah. was uh, giving a little favor, giving a little rub oh, to yeah. his buddy right there. Yeah, his yeah mine buddy. doing the, the job ski to him, so they're <laughs> <laughs> uh, boys. So, um, but it was strange, man. It, it again, it's just weird. I just wrote, "Wow, that's just crazy." Um, after that, we got the the, the big turn, you know. Uh, Whose side is he on? Going back to Bash Beach '96, uh, is he the third man? Is he is the third, he the third the second, man? Is he Will the he be the man? next man? You know, the, on commentary during the match, the announcers are wondering who is the new nation member going to be, and they list off they list off these notables as potential ideas. They talk about Mister Hughes, who we've talked about on this show, Ugh, who wants to so meet with Undertaker, Butch Reed, Ugh. Ron Simmons' former partner back yeah, in the days of Doom. Doom. Junkyard Dog, which wow. was probably 50-something years old at this point. And my favorite, uh, Abdullah the Butcher as a potential <laughs> Nation of Domination member. God, what I would have would have paid to have seen Abdullah the Butcher in the Nation of Domination. Man, can you imagine that? That would have been incredible, man. I'd pay almost uh, as much as we paid to eat at his house of ribs after WrestleMania yeah, was- 27. I was gonna say we'll talk about him on this show as we when we get to WrestleMania 27. So, <laughs> oh, that was money well spent. I think I, I'm still deci- I'm still deciding. So, can but you yeah, imagine those are some notables? Uh, Undertaker Abdullah casket match. Oh my word! It had to be a triple wide, triple deep casket <laughs> for that. Golly, man, mega stuff Oreo, <laughs> so, mega stuff casket for that. Gee, man. So yeah. Uh, Ahmed turns heel, hits a prover plunge again on Undertaker, and he joins the nation at the top of the ramp. He comes up and puts his fist in the air just like they do. So it's it's um, Farouk, Kama, uh, Ahmed, and D'Lo Brown at this point. Um, which again, you mentioned the other week that D'Lo uh, finally has a name, and I think he had wrestled his first match uh, fairly recently. So um, again, you have gotten away from. There's no more PG-13. There's no more basically no more white guys in the nation. <laughs> And uh, Clarence Mason's gone too. I don't know where, what happened to him. They just right. disappeared. So. Yeah. Um, anyway. So yeah. So that's yeah. How, the, uh, it, it seems all goes like off the air that way. I think. Yeah, it does, and it yeah. seems like we're headed pretty clearly towards the Undertaker versus Ahmed Johnson for the WWF Championship, and so pretty wild to think about a heel Ahmed Johnson challenging the yeah. Undertaker. They're you know they're they're trying something different, no <clears> doubt about it, and. Uh, Ahmed Johnson leads off the next week, June 23rd, Raw 215. He leads the new nation of domination out, and he's going to try to do what Farouk did not do and, and take out The Undertaker. Man, he cuts cuts a heck of a promo here. <laughs> oh, man. I really need subtitles, dude. It is incredible. Oh, man. I have no idea what he says half the time. I had to go rewind it and just listen <laughs> to the stuff he says. It really is like Scott Steiner doing math, so... 
It's amazing. Well, he said... I'll tell you what. You and your superhero, The Undertaker. I ain't got no respect for him no more. Any man that listens to another man is a low-down, dirty, slave dog. If The Undertaker will listen to Paul Bear, that man listen up for you. Like I said before, you put your hands on me, you won't be dead enough. Just remember the tattoo, because you will see it again. What does it mean you're going to see it again? What does that even mean? I, I, I don't know. Mirror. I don't know. Yeah. But it sounds like he's got peanut butter on the roof of his mouth and I, he's trying to get it off. It's just ridiculous. Dude, he said it with such intensity and such charisma that I believe that Ahmed Johnson wanted to murder The Undertaker. <laughs> yeah. So I want to see him fight, man. I I, I will be Ahmed Johnson's defender till the day I die. Dude, <laughs> I it might have been one of the worst matches of all time, but dang it. I wish we would have seen Ahmed Johnson and Undertaker. I, Man, I, that is just one of those great mysteries to me. What might have happened there? Yeah, I do too. I really wish we had seen it because we've already seen, we've already covered Vader here uh, in yeah. January at Royal Rumble. So I really would have liked to have seen Ahmed. Plus, he's got this new energy. He's uh, talking more, which is always a good thing. <laughs> and uh, and oh, can we just please talk about his upgraded attire? Sure. All right. He's got a brand new costume. No longer – he's taken off all the pads. No more pads. He doesn't have a 1,000 pads on. Um, his butt cheek's not hanging out. Now he has on black spandex pants. I mean they fit like a wetsuit. They are just tight, tight. He's got a black uh, tank top, but it has three buttons, so it's very formal. <laughs> like a tank top. You ever see a tank top with three buttons on it? I've never seen a tank a... top with buttons on it, period. <laughs> yeah. He's got three buttons at the neck for a tank top. He's a little fancy, but he likes to work out, I guess. And then he's got a black leather skull cap on. It's got the same you know, colors like uh, the, the the green, yellow, and red like the rest of the nation members have right. on. But it's got this leather skull cap. And then, and then the best part of all is a I mean, just a black leather fanny pack. He comes out <laughs> on national television and stands in the ring and cuts his promo with this black leather fanny pack on. I mean, it is just – it's an upgrade somehow from what he used to wear. If, but that, it is, if that doesn't say bad. business right there, dude, I don't know what does. He yeah. needs business. <laughs> that guy's going to murder the dead man, and uh, I believe him if he's wearing that. So, um, <laughs> Do you think the tightness of his outfit – in any way, shape, or form, led to the uh, <laughs> tragic to injury that we're about to see happen. I do. I believe his pants are so freaking tight. Again, they're like a wetsuit, man. They're maybe, ridiculous. Maybe so. I think that's what happens here because, again, we've got this promo opening up Raw. And then I mentioned last week's episode, I was, as a fan, I, I, I wondered, I, I missed this episode of Raw. I came in after this episode. I didn't understand how all this happened and how we got the DOA and. Uh, the Los Bariquas, which I still don't know how to spell that. I've seen it spelled like five different ways. Even on WWF television, I've seen it spelled differently. Um, just like, how, remember how WCW would spell Eddie Guerrero's name differently all the yeah. time? Yeah. <laughs> it's like every other week he had different spelling. Uh, anyway, so this promo is going on, and out comes Crush to introduce the Disciples of Apocalypse. And uh, we got some gang wars there. They come out on motorcycles. Uh, I believe here, and it's amazing if you just put someone on a motorcycle and rev it, the crowd will the crowd will cheer. They're over, man. They love it. You, you put... got Skull and Eight Ball, uh, who are the Harris brothers. You know, Ron and Don Harris. Uh, they have many, many, many gimmicks, uh, and they've been in 
They've been in every major company. They've been everywhere. <laughs> ECW, WCW, TNA, WWE. Yeah. They're literally they, everywhere. They have their own uh, company right now, uh, Era Lucha. They're running shows. So, yeah, good for them. You and know? they've never had, a, never had a good match, never drew a dime in their lives. <laughs> nope. But they've been involved in lots of stuff. So, uh, they got them. And then who's – is it Brian Lee, the other guy yeah. with them? Yeah. Yeah, the Brian Lee. Under Faker. Yeah, who, again, we've covered here. Um, but it, it's just amazing. These guys are over immediately. They come out on motorcycles and rev them, and they're over. It's well, so great. Of course, Jim Cornette used to say, you put somebody in a box, take them <laughs> yeah. out of the box, they're over. You put somebody yeah. on a motorcycle, they're over. Absolutely. Except for uh, Chuck Palumbo. Yeah, whatever. Who's over with you and me <laughs> before <true>. that? <laughs> he was a, that's actually what put him what put him not over with me oh, was him man. getting – it had the opposite. Uh, anyway, we'll get to him eventually here, here on this podcast. <laughs> so um, – but yeah, we got gang wars here, you know. Um, gang wars are starting here on, on Monday Night Raw, so pretty cool. And I think later on in the episode, um, <clears throat> Paul Bear and Undertaker are backstage, and uh, they're going to have a, a little interview. Is it Michael Cole that interviewed? I can't remember who it was. That's going I to think him, Michael but... Cole debuted the next week. Okay, uh, well, somebody, think... maybe Todd, Todd uh, Pettengill. Anyway, so... they go to interview him, and uh, basically. Paul Barry just tells Undertaker to shut up. Sometimes in life. Just shut up! It's all about me, Undertaker! It's about what I tell you to do, when I tell you to do it, and what I say! He gets choked for his first trouble there. Uh, again, he's still got his Undertaker un- under his thumb. You know, he's got this secret hanging over his head, which he hasn't revealed uh, yet. But Undertaker's still doing his bidding and, you know, has succumbed to his power, as we mentioned in last week's episode. So, um, Well, what's going on right there is... Paul, or Undertaker and Vader are supposed to be teaming up in the Tag Team right. Championship Tournament, which this whole this Tag Team Tournament is one of the weirdest tournaments you'll ever see in your life. I, we'll put the picture of the bracket up on our oh Facebook my. because, like I said, you've got Undertaker, the champion, with Vader, and they're in this Tag Team Tournament against uh, Farouk and D'Lo Brown. And then also in this tag team tournament are Jerry Lawler and Rob Van Dam as a tag team. This <laughs> yeah. is just one of the weirdest things you'll ever see. But yeah, uh, mm. Taker is upset that Paul Bear is still trying to control him. He starts to choke out Vader and Paul Bear starts screaming, the fire, remember the fire. And Taker storms off frustrated. So yeah. we're continuing to sow the seeds of this whole Kane storyline and uh, we're going to uh, they're going to come to harvest next week in, in a tremendous way. But uh, this whole thing, I, I kind of thought about, remember the Daniel Wyatt angle from a couple years ago where mm-hmm. uh, Daniel Bryan had to join the Wyatt family and was controlled by them for a few weeks? It kind of reminded me of that in this sense. The Undertaker is being forced to be in the, there with these heels. And, you know, it's, it's really frustrating because – it seems like they should be doing more with the Undertaker, and they're kind of cutting his legs out from underneath them. But it's building up to something big when he's finally going to turn on Paul Bearer yeah. and these guys, and he's going to get a tremendous pop from doing that. So it's building oh, up yeah. to something big from that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very good comparison to the Daniel Bryan Wyatt family thing. So because that was that payoff was phenomenal. So uh, back then, I'll I'll never forget that episode. Oh, at yeah. all. So uh, not a lot of memorable stuff nowadays, but that was I'll never forget that. But anyway. Um, just like this storyline is hard to forget. You, like you said last week, the best, probably the best soap opera part storyline WWF has ever done. Um, again, because it goes on for years and years, and there's so much material they can uh, can get out of it. So, um, 
again, this main event you said is, is Undertaker and Vader versus The Nation. But again, Ahmed Johnson, the new member, is nowhere to be found out here with The Nation because in that brawl earlier with uh, the Disciples of Apocalypse, um, they he, he tore his ligament in his knee, I believe it was. So um, again, it could have been his pants. Could have been, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he should have had just his pads on. Who knows? But uh, yeah, yeah, he's bad luck, man. This dude's had more in and outs than... It's like, remember when Randy Orton first debuted and he had like two or three injuries yes. back to back? It's yes. very similar to that. Trying to push this guy to the moon, trying to get him big push, big push, big push, and he keeps getting injured. So, And this uh, was really this s- was pretty much the end of it. You know, that yeah. it, him turning on Undertaker last week was pretty much the high point, the peak of his push. And yeah, it's all downhill yeah. from here. <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> in my opinion, I, I always wish I could have done more with Ahmed, but that's going to be just about it. Just about do it for him, even though we'll see him a couple more times. It's not going to yeah. get much out of it, which, you know, uh, this is wild. They're, they're pretty much rebooking this show, rebooking this pay-per-view in the middle yeah. of all yeah. of this. I mean, they know Ahmed Johnson is hurt. They have no idea what that means, but he slotted in for the championship match. So I'm not sure how much of what we see with this Vader angle is was supposed to happen is booked on the fly is booked as a backup plan is booked as the new a plan going forward but kudos to them for being able to pull something out of their butts right here to to save this pay-per-view and and to get make something out of it absolutely and again we keep talking about how this new era um here on raw and everything it's got so many intertwining stories and people are you know having multiple storylines with multiple people thank god for that because if it just been undertaker and ahmed and he got hurt they would have had nothing to do but luckily he's got this you know thing with paul bear who has vader you know with him and stuff so i mean it just it happened to just work out that way so i'm glad they have all this extra you know storylines going on with everybody so yeah it worked out because here in this in this main event um i think uh undertaker hits vader right and yeah. then vader gets pinned <laughs> by uh by a clothesline a clothesline from Farouk. <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous, man. So, but the nation's picking up some big wins. You know, they got a win sure. over the WWF champion the week before, and a win over what's now going to become his number one contender. You know, the next night. So, you know, good on them. They're getting a push too. You know, all of them. So, well, I guess. Uh, after the after the loss, Paul Bear starts screaming at Undertaker. He's upset at him. He's ruined their chance for the tag team titles. Uh, Undertaker tries to just walk away in peace, but then Vader attacks him, and Undertaker just scoops up Vader and tombstones him like a boss, man. Just oh, yeah. drops him down like nothing. Uh, Paul Bear runs away, but then he grabs the mic and sets up next week's show by saying, you've made your casket, dead man, <coughs> and next week you're going to lie in it because I'm going to tell the whole world your secret, and that's going to be it. You wait and you see... But uh, Undertaker basically tells him to bring it on, does the throat slash, yeah. rolls his eyes in the back of his head, and walks away, uh, setting up a huge angle for next week's Raw. Yeah, absolutely. And again, think about it. We're talking about this is Monday Night Wars. This is WCW versus WWF. You've got to you've got to hook your viewers for the next week. You know, this is this is episodic television. You know, that's like a that's a term they throw around nowadays. But um, it really was back then. You know, you've got you're in. You're in a, a war with another company. You've got to hook your viewers for the next week, and uh, it's really cool to see how they actually do that. Just coming from like a 
television show side, you know, because when you watch a TV show, you want them to leave you with something hanging at the end to tune in next week, you know, whatever it might be, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, This Is Us, I don't know, all the big shows are on nowadays, you know, you got, there's something they leave you with to, to want you to tune in next week, and that's what WWF is doing right here, just like WCW is pretty much ended with some kind of NWO thing every week, and they want you to tune in next week to see what happens, that's what they're doing here, and it's really cool yeah. to see them do that, um, so yeah, next week on Raw, which will be Raw 216 on June uh, 30th, uh, was supposed to be the big reveal here. And uh, I just want to say, this show opens up with, this is a quote from Vincent Mann on commentary, with the most boisterous and loyal fans here in Des Moines, Iowa. So I just, <laughs> when you think of hotbeds of wrestling, <laughs> for the WWF specifically, or literally any promotion, do you think of Des Moines, Iowa? Number one. No offense. No offense to that. I mean, I'm sure it's a great town, uh, but the most boisterous and loyal fans. I just thought that was such a hyperbole. It's amazing. So, um, but they do get some DOA chants going on later on. We'll talk about here in a minute. Yeah, it's not a bad crowd. You, I mean, they yeah, put it's up really a good crowd. case. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the show opens with a cool video package narrated by Jr. It's kind of telling the whole story of Undertaker and Paul Bear going back yeah. to their debut to Taker's first match and. They show the SummerSlam incident, the fireball, all this stuff, all this history. We're, we're talking seven years yeah. worth of history is leading up to this moment, which is awesome. You know, that's that's never happened before. There's never no. been that sort of long-term storytelling that we get to see between two guys. There are guys that have been in the WWE for that long, or the WWF back then, but not two guys just consistently intertwined with each other that we've gotten to see. Maybe like Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, like a little bit, what they right. had kept going back and forth with each other for a long time, but not to that same level that we're seeing of Paul Bear and Undertaker and all that history. It, it pays off. Oh yeah, it does. It's a really cool video. Again, it, it, it gives it that soap opera feel. Um, Cause that's what, wrestling is supposed to be it's a male soap opera basically you know the guys just fight each other um but it really gives it that cool you know soap opera and like you said it's just it's a cool long form story you know they give all the backstory here and it's just really really neat again it catches you up if you miss the last seven years of wwf yes and you just, and you just turned it on you're yes. like oh i remember hulk hogan he was cool let me turn on monday night raw tonight you got recapped and and honestly it sells you it sells you on the feud. Like, you want to know what happens next because tonight we're going to get the big secret. So, I mean, what a great job on their part, you know? Um, but there's the change pace here a little bit. There's an interview with Ahmed Johnson after Nice week. And uh, he just, I mean, he probably was on like pain medication, but he talks like this normally anyway. So <laughs> I can't really tell if it's the meds or the peanut butter on the roof of his mouth. I don't know which it was, but um, he claims that the Undertaker sent the doa to actually uh injure him which um i thought this is um, th this would explain the biker taker that we're going to see three years later you know yes in fact, that was the case and i don't think that ever came up again but i just happened to think to myself well if that if undertaker did send them that explains why he's a biker taker in a few years so what, a, I, what an opportunity i was Taken aback when he said that, I thought that was yeah. so interesting. He says, "Yeah, the Undertaker sent the DOA to attack him, and when he comes back, he's going to go after the Undertaker again." And I thought, "Oh, well, that's kind of interesting. I wonder if he was kind of going off on his own right there with that." But 
I don't know if you caught it, but Farouk said the same thing when he came out and cut a promo. Yeah. As far as the DOA, whatever it is, there ain't nothing but disciples out there on the take. The Undertaker knew his time was limited. He knew that our man Johnson was going to kick his butt and in your house. That's why he sent DOA out here to sabotage him. So I think they were thinking of doing something like that, of yeah. teasing some sort of alliance between Undertaker and DOA because everyone else is in a faction. Everyone else has guys that are backing them up in this time, in this day and age. So maybe they were really thinking of aligning Undertaker with those guys. And he was friends with all those guys. And right. they could have, I, I think there was some talk. I've never seen that or read that before. I didn't remember that at all. But for them to mention it twice in the same show, there had to be something to that. Some little... So there had to be some sort of inkling that they might have gone with something like that, which would have been really interesting. Oh, I agree. There, there had to have been something. There was, it wasn't a, just a coincidence that both these guys said it. You know, there had to have been some kind of talk about it. But again, it, it I mean, I'm kind of glad it didn't happen. Oh, me <laughs> but, too. Uh, yeah, it would have been strange. It uh, would have. It would have been too much. But, but it would have made sense, I guess, from a storyline part. But anyway, I just thought it was, it was neat. I'm glad we both pointed that out. So, um, so. Later on, I guess, is this still part of the tag team tournament? Is Nation beats uh, the Legion of Doom? I think so. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, again, they've beat, they pinned the Undertaker. They pinned his number one contender, Vader. And now they beat the Legion of Doom, a.k.a. Yeah. the Road Warriors. The, yeah. pro- arguably the greatest tag team in history of professional wrestling. For which, sure. if you if you went off their WWF transcript you wouldn't be able to tell that but go back to the nwa days they're the best tag team ever in my opinion um and uh yeah but again they're getting a huge push here you know they're they're beating all these guys so Farouk says that he says it's not fair that you know ahmed's in the nation and he lost his spot as a number one contender it should be somebody else in the nation he says it should be me or kama or even D'Lo. <laughs> I was like, I'll sell D'Lo short. But I thought it was funny. Like, or even D'Lo here. But he says, you know, the reason uh, that it's not one of us is it's Vader's because he's white. You know, uh, he's he's a white guy and we're black. So he again still bringing that race card here. Um, I mean, he's kind of got a point though. Like, he it does, though. makes more sense for Farouk to get that shot than than Vader does. I mean, Vader's been doing nothing, and uh, yeah, Farouk's not even on the show. He's not even on Canadian Stampede. Right. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Kind of got a point. He did have a point. And again, the best heels always have a little bit of truth to their that's right. you know, their stories. So that's what makes them good heels. So um, anyway, it was, yeah, he's he's going racial here again. and uh, But right after this, we get Savio Vega comes out in a white white pants and a white shirt with black suspenders. And this is the debut of Los Periquas. And we got more gang warfare here in D. I think uh, DOA comes out too, and they have a huge brawl, I believe. And this is where the crowd's like, DOA, DOA. I was just like, oh man, DOA is over. You put a jobber on a bike, he is That's over. It. That's all it takes. <laughs> That's it, man. So. Well, I mean, we talked about the gang wars. We talked about Ahmed Johnson. We've talked about Farouk. Let's talk about why we're really here. Yes. Let's talk about the highlight of this show. Let's talk about oh, Paul Bearer revealing the secret. They. Go back and forth backstage with some stuff with Paul Bear and The Undertaker. They're teasing it all throughout the show. Uh, the Undertaker says backstage that he's warning the fans that you're not you're going to hear a slanted version of the truth. Paul Bear is going to try and poison your mind about the events of this horrible night in his past. And he is showing a completely different side. He's 
Undertaker is somber. He's quiet. He's showing emotions we've never seen him show before. Yeah. So this is grabbing your attention for Paul Bearer to finally come out. Uh, Vince McMahon brings him out. And oh. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I want to say this is also in that blue bathroom we talked about yes. the other week. <laughs> so, yes. But I want to say, like, wrestlers aren't generally regarded as good actors, you know. But I, I'm not going to lie. Undertaker did a good job here, man. Like, uh, he really did a good job acting this out, you know, just from a stan- like a human standpoint. Like, he just – he didn't rush through it. He took his time. Like, it seemed authentic, you know, like it was a real thing. I just I just really thought that was really neat. But the point I wanted to make is when you said that um, Vince brought, brought – um, Paul Bearer out again. He brings him out at the top of the hour of Warzone. You yeah. know, you get the, the brand. You know, Raw's off now. It's Warzone again. Think about that. They've hooked you in. You got to tune into the beginning of the second hour of Raw. Don't watch Nitro because here you are. You're gonna get the big reveal. We've been waiting for. I just again, I just think that's smart. You know, coming from a television aspect. You know, you've got to get the viewers in, and they knew what they're doing. Because again, I'm not gonna watch Nitro if I'm watching this. I want to see what the Undertaker's secret is. You know, well. So. Talk about changing channels and tuning into this, what we're about to see. These promos <laughs> from Paul Bear and The Undertaker. I mean, we've never seen anything like this in – well, I mean, I'm not going to say ever. I don't know. I mean, I know WWF. I know WCW. And I know I've never seen anything like this, this sort of storytelling, this sort of storyline. It's not uh, somebody hates this other guy or, or somebody stole – this other guy's girl or something like that. This is a soap opera storyline. This is Vince <clears throat> Russo at his peak, at his yeah. best, at his most creative. Pritchard, Pritchard, all these guys working together. Can you imagine seeing, oh, oh, Monday Night Raw's on. Oh, wrestling is on. Or, or just going through the channels and you're seeing Paul Bearer tell this story of The Undertaker's family and... Uh, the funeral home burning to the ground or the undertaker. And when he gives his 10 minute monologue, can you imagine flipping through the channels and thinking, what the heck is this? Uh, I know. I thought wrestling was two guys in spandex, uh, putting a sleeper hold on each other. What am I watching? And and I mean that in a great way, because this is incredible this promo is amazing Paul, both guys undertaker's yeah. acting is great paul bear is off the charts here uh the, I, uh, I we put clips in the show i i would love to just put this whole clip in there but you yeah. should go go on youtube go on the network watch this promo where paul bear reveals the secret that he's been carrying around with the undertaker it's i can't praise it enough you know uh yeah the, the it's gist so of, good, man. The gist it, of it, it is. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say again, his acting from this since he's been basically Percy Pringle since he got quote unquote burned, his acting and his over the top and smugness and arrogance and his theatrics have gotten even better than they were when he was with the Undertaker. You know, we talked about especially in our early episodes how on the outside of the ring he was kind of a key and in helping Undertaker through his matches and just kind of being there and being over the top. But this guy, ever since he got quote unquote burned, man, he's just been on another level, man. I would, I would challenge wrestlers from nowadays to go back and watch this stuff and see how to act, see how to act, and see how to cut a promo, man. This guy, he kills it. And right before he gets in the ring, this fan runs in and like tackles him. Uh, was that? 
a shoot or a work? I, I can't tell. I, I think it was a shoot, but uh, it works perfectly because yeah. I mean, I don't think Paul Bear was, was trying to take any extra bumps. No, she was. She was <laughs> he dressed tackles like them a to the ground. Goth person too, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, it must have been a creature of the night." So, I mean, it must have been. I think it was a shoot. I can't, you know, if any of you out there listeners know, let us know. But um, I couldn't find if anything. You about it. Yeah, if you were her, gets tackled. If you were her, if you were there in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. So know. yeah, I mean, Paul Bear tells this story about being an apprentice at a funeral parlor to a family where the dad is the mortician. The mom is the secretary. There's two little kids running around. One's a little redheaded punk and the other is a sweet little boy named Kane. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Paul Bearer really was a mortician. He was a licensed right. mortician. And my wife grew ah. up around a funeral home. Her mom was a secretary at a funeral home. And this, I showed this promo to her and you could just tell Paul Bearer, wrote a lot of this himself he yeah. was throwing in little details and things about the funeral home it was just very very funny to hear the way she's talked about growing up in a funeral home and to hear <laughs> him talk about this there are a lot of parallels there but basically undertaker and kane ran around like crazy kids and one night paul saw them taking some chemicals out of the embalming room and smoking cigarettes around them but he had to go to <laughs> night school because he was working on his degree I came back from school about 10 o'clock that night, and what do I see? I see fire trucks. I see ambulance. I see steam and smoke, and I see the funeral home in ashes. Someone burned down the funeral home. Inside the funeral home was this lovely family that took care of me. I looked over to the bushes. Who did I see in the bushes but the Undertaker? Undertaker, you burnt the funeral home to the ground. And along with the funeral home, you killed your parents. You killed your family, Undertaker! I know it! I've had this secret on my inside all my life. For the And the Undertaker is a murderer, by God. He's a murderer. Yeah, he yelling murderer at him, and then he drops a <clears throat> GD murderer on a pg television show i was just like what unbleeped or anything just says you're a gd murderer and i was just like oh my goodness so again selling that intensity and the importance of it again because uh nobody sold it like paul bear does here man it was incredible um really really cool promo again undertaker is in the building that night so uh he's gonna well, give the, us his spin on it promo, in just a few minutes the, uh, here the thunder cracks and the lightning flashes too as we go to commercial. So yeah, the emotions yeah. of the Undertaker are affecting the atmosphere, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So we go to the back and we see Vader kind of congratulating Paul Bearer on this reveal, I guess. And then even later on in the show, we get the blue bathroom again, and Undertaker's going to get his chance. And he says that you know it is true. His parents and his brother died in the fire, and. You know, he and Kane were playing with matches, and his dad 
reprimanded him. You know, his dad told him that he's the older brother. He should be more responsible. He has a little brother that looks up to him. He knows the right from wrong. And uh, so later on, he sees Kane with the flammable embalming fluid. And uh, he has Undertaker has to go do chores. And so when he's thinking of Undertaker doing chores, what is he like building caskets? Maybe that's where he learned all this stuff from. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he comes back from his uh, chores and he returns to see the funeral home on fire. Um, so he runs toward it and the firefighters are holding him back as he watches his home burn to the ground with his parents and his brother inside, or so he thinks. And he says, Yes, Paul, it's true. I wasn't at the funeral. But you didn't care to explain to the people why that was. That two nights before, during the middle of the night, you drug me to the neighboring funeral home so that I could see my family. Till this very day, the image of my mother laying on that table As you pulled that sheet back and I look at the burnt and charred body of the most wonderful woman that had ever walked on this earth, laid there, the air escaped from my lungs. I couldn't breathe. I thought I was going to be sick. But you insisted. You insisted that this small boy in the middle of the night go and look at the charred remains of what two days earlier was his family. Again, this is this is a wrestling television yes. show we're watching here. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, this ain't your mama's wrestling. This ain't Hulk Hogan and uh, Bruno San Martino or Cluthez. So, um, you know, he says, you know, Paul Bear made me look at the charred bodies of my family and I had to look at death to understand death. You know, I had to I had to face death to, to really understand it. And he said that when I did, I realized that, that without death, there cannot be life. That changed him forever, and he had to choose a path. And somehow that leads to him drawing his strength from the sphere of his dead family. That's how he wraps up his, his part of the story here. Both sides of the story. We hear the Undertaker's side. We hear Paul Bear's side. You don't know what to think, but... You think, okay, well, you're thinking, okay, Undertaker's obviously telling the truth. He's going to get some revenge on Paul Bearer, but yet we're going to take another twist here. Uh, right. As, as Vader takes on Rockabilly. That'll put butts in the seats. <laughs> oh if I have to hear Rockabilly's theme song one more time on these episodes of Raw, I'm going to shoot my TV like Elvis did back in the day. Uh, it is strange to go from this soap opera stuff about death and, and burn flash to rockabilly city music there's no commercials on the network <laughs> straight to the next scene which is rockabilly so anyway uh, this latch this match excuse me easy for me to say this match lasts about 24 seconds before undertaker comes like meatloaf bat out of hell man he comes running from the back and well, just... don't skip over uh, Rockabilly whacking Vader with a guitar and oh, Vader no-selling it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. It's, 
No sells the guitar shot. This is beautiful. He knows as well. So, yeah, then he gets a guitar shot, he no sells. 23 seconds later, Undertaker runs out like a bat out of hell. And come, he should have had his bat wings from Survivor Series. <laughs> anyway, he comes out. Uh, all This is like a human Undertaker at this point. There's no dead man here. He's just beating the crap out of Vader. Um, just unleashing a fury on him, and Bear is screaming on the outside the whole time, Murderer! 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 Just screaming at him, and like, winking at the camera and stuff. He's just, <laughs> he's all over it, man. He's loving it. So, uh, then, what happens next? Well, then, Taker starts slapping Paul Bear around, saying, tell the truth, I'll kill you if you don't tell the truth. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we're taking this to another level. Wait, let like, me just say, I didn't go to law school, but if you're on trial for or being accused of murder, you probably shouldn't threaten to kill someone. I mean, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> but Paul Bear says, I am telling the truth because Kane told me. Kane told me. Undertaker keeps slapping him around, and Paul Bear finally screams, Kane is alive. Kane is alive. And the Undertaker is just in shock. This finally yeah. takes him aback. As this storyline, like we said, goes to another level. We're not just talking about events of the past. We're not just talking about a deep, dark secret buried in the Undertaker's closet. We're talking about the mystery of the Undertaker's brother, who now we know was burned and horribly mangled in that fire, but is actually alive. And what does that mean? What is going on? How... Uh, you know this match at Canadian Stampede is an afterthought because oh, we want to know what is happening. <laughs> it's a storytelling on a completely yeah. different playing field. Yeah, and like you said, uh, one of the great things about Russo era is this kind of stuff. But this is also about three or four weeks worth of storytelling crammed into one episode yes. of Raw. You That's know, absolutely so. True. Uh, but yeah, because we could have had the Canes alive at the pay-per-view, you know, like found that out there. But again, it, it definitely made you want to tune in and find out not because he's fighting Vader, but because Undertaker is going to be around Paul Bearer at the pay-per-view, you know, six days later. So yeah, really cool, really cool story has nothing to do with Ahmed Johnson (laughs) at that point. This is the meat and potatoes of the Undertaker. Again, his whole life. Uh, Storyline-wise, is built up to this big reveal. You know, he thought his brother was dead all these years, and now he's not, um, allegedly. So we'll see what happens here. We will. So, yeah, let's talk about Canadian Stampede. Let's be the only podcast ever that talks about this match from Canadian <laughs> Stampede, not the main event, because that's what we're doing. We're going through every Undertaker match, and absolutely, <laughs> yeah, man. everyone in the world should go watch that match at least once with the Heart Foundation versus. Uh, the All-Americans here, uh, just the most incredible off-the-charts heat you'll ever see. A five-star performance, one of the best top ten WWF matches of all time. Everybody go watch that. And apparently we have some differing opinions on whether you should watch this match. So let's talk about it. And we've got Vince, JR, and The King on commentary. Kind of your standard announced team for the time. Vince in a purple shirt and a western vest. And then you got Jerry Lawler, who has a Garth Brooks button-up shirt, basically. One of those that Garth Brooks would have worn on, like, his No Fences album or something. And he's got a big leather Turd Ferguson, like, like <laughs> uh, cowboy hat on. It looks like Norm MacDonald from SNL, like the Turd it's Ferguson so good. hat. It's so good. It's so ridiculous. It's for only four matches on this pay-per-view, because the last one's, like, 40 minutes long. Right. Um, 
And this match, the WWF title match, is third out of four. Again, there's there's no need to put it on last. It wouldn't have mattered. There's certain times you just put on the championship match takes a backseat to whatever else is going on. We've talked about that here before. You know, you should have the championship match on last out of respect, but here, no man. Oh, yeah. Bret Hart was no Bret Hart was Superman here, and uh, he had to go on last. So no question. Um, yeah. Uh, right before this match, though, I want to talk about it backstage. <laughs> Did you catch this interview with Doc with Hendricks? Doc Hendricks, of course. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, he said... And he winks at the camera. <laughs> what is that? I don't know what you mean. What does that mean? Uh, there's so many things it could mean, like PG and X-rated. I'm not sure what he's talking about there, but it was weird, man. Um, I don't know. That's a great line, though. Uh, yeah. I love it. He's just yeah. such a... He's such a menacing person when he's telling these stories of Connor Digger, a murderer, but he's also just a goofball, too, and just like like almost Jim Cornette yeah. level, <laughs> just like ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, cocky, then he talks about, guy. Uh, Paul Bear recaps uh, Vader. Vader beat Undertaker at the Rumble earlier in January, and he says, you know, it's going to be deja vu, Hendrix, deja vu. And uh, it's important and that they brought that up because Vader has not been booked strong the past no. few months, and he hasn't had much success. He hasn't done much of anything since that – uh, really, since that final four match, he's gotten beat up by Ken Shamrock and yeah. uh, been in jail in <laughs> Kuwait. <laughs> he's not been a, yeah. a top contender, so it's important that they brought up that he does hold a win over The Undertaker here uh, yeah. to give him a little bit of credibility in this match that he's been slid into here. Um, yeah. Uh, Undertaker comes out with his now standard lightning and thunder entrance and Vader is spooked. Paul Bear is hiding in the corner on the outside. And Jim Ross says, man, there's nowhere to yes. hide when you're that fat. <laughs> he says it's kind of hard to hide when you're 400 pounds. And then Jerry Lawler says, well, you ought to know. <laughs> I love Dude, it. I pops huge for that. It I was so it. good. He waits like two seconds. He goes, well, you ought to know. <laughs> like, oh man. Oh, so good. They're so I miss them so much. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> um, anyway, Undertaker just kicks things off, just explodes oh, yeah. on Vader for the first <laughs> few minutes of this match, just un like squashing him. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know Vader was ever going to get any offense in. Well, I want to say that I think that that's part of the problem with this match is because Vader the long. I mean, the more this match goes, the more winded you are anyway. But I think because Taker comes out as a melee, I think Vader was just blown up from the get-go, honestly. As Taker comes, leg drop, shoulder blocks, stinger splash, old school. I mean, all that is just boom, 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 boom. Diving, running, clothesline. And then, at, like, Vader's sucking wind. Because right after all that, that that takes about a minute and a half out of the match. Uh, then Vader pulls a pulls a headlock on and it is a rest hold man he is just <sighs> sucking wind dude because he i mean we talked about it he's not the same vader of you know 1992 wrestling sting or rick flair or steamboat or anything he's um got a little heavier in his day now but um i think that part of the reason i'm not as huge fan of this match is because i think it has a problem is because undertaker comes out so hot and heavy vader can't recover <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I see your um, point so. you're making. Uh, the crowd is 
into it though they are cheering for oh, yeah. popping huge for everything taker does just unloading all this steam from all of these secrets and drama with paul bear and everything going on for there um so they are just going off the charts here uh but paul bear is able to take over when he <laughs> when he takes his loafer off and starts hitting the undertaker <laughs> with it that's yes. one of my favorite parts of the match that's awesome so and, good uh, and uh, go ahead at this point in the match, Vader has been called, by the commentary, by all three of them, he's been called a grizzly bear, a mastodon, a, a buffalo, and then a minute later he's going to be called a baby bull. So he's got, they could have come out with like stuffed animal Vaders of all four of those. He's the I was whole like, zoo. what a marketing guy. <laughs> yeah, he is. Oh, man. I just thought it was interesting. Right before uh, Paul Barry beats him up with that shoe. He's like, they call him, he's waddling on the outside, is what J.R. says. Waddling away like the penguin, I guess. So, <laughs> anyway, it was pretty funny. That is what he seems like. Uh, the uh, the yeah. shoe helps Vader kind of take over. Hits, uh, uh, <laughs> gets, I mean, this is massive heat. The crowd is off the charts here. They, yeah. uh, Vader hits a big clothesline, and Taker barely kicks out of that. Um, Vader does suplex, big splash, but he doesn't hook the leg and only gets two. Uh, and it, it goes into a nerve hold here, which is really just – I hate the nerve oh, hold. Uh, the nerve hold's terrible. Uh, it, and it's, it sucks. It's crappy looking. And this one looks really bad. And he is – again, he is sucking wind. I mean the hold is not even put on well. It's not. It looks like he's what? just touching his shoulder. But yeah. guess what? The crowd goes nuts. They start stomping yeah, and cheering true. so much yeah. that the hard yeah. camera – on the opposite side of the ring starts shaking. The entire arena is shaking yep. because they're cheering on the undertaker yep. so much. So that move yep. does exactly what it's supposed to do and get yep. this crowd excited Absolutely. and it looks stupid and it's boring, but guess what? It wakes the crowd all the way up. And uh, it sure it does. Was, was, I've only seen that a few times in my life where the, the hard camera starts shaking. And this is one of those times, man, it's crazy. So, yeah, it was really cool to see that because you're right. The crowd does come up for that um, like they're supposed to, and it's just – it was really neat to see. Again, this is like bizarro world, man. This pay-per-view is so crazy. It's such a fun show uh, to see, like just in a bubble, you know. It's just yes. a fun show to see, to be taking it in a bubble. So really cool. And then after that, you know, Taker gets out with some flurry punches, and he gets a thumb to the eye from Vader, and he doesn't really sell that too much. He fires up in the corner and goes for a choke slam, and Taker just – Low blows, kicks him, man, right in the beanbag. <laughs> just just well, Vader, kicks him low. Vader yeah, kicked Vader Taker. Kicks, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Vader kicked Taker, right? Yeah. Real low. Yeah. So, um. And, yeah. And JR is screaming, like, why is there not a disqualification? Yeah. So, we've and we've seen that in a lot of Undertaker matches. Yes. Like, they'll be, should be DQs, whether they're on the outside or, or low blows, and the ref won't call it. And for some reason, Tim White, which he'll come up again later on this uh, podcast uh he doesn't dq him and commentary wonders why and um i guess it comes back into play here in just a second because undertaker attempts a tombstone and it gets reversed and it's i think it's this reversal was strange oh this gosh. is the yeah this is the old flip over reversal where i'm gonna tombstone you then we back flip over and you to me but when they do it uh Vader just kind of falls on his butt. Oh yeah, they just go tumbling <laughs> down. This is this is the only part in the match I I really didn't like. I mean, obviously they just totally messed that up. Can't uh, Vader is definitely winded at this point and can't 
uh, pull that part yeah. off. But they, you know, they keep going. Vader goes for the Vader bomb, but uh, Undertaker is able to sit up and, like you said, get his payback. He hits a massive low blow on Vader <laughs> and punches him. Just punches him. And then which, sh- which will come back later on in his Brock Lesnar matches from a few That's years. That's true. Ago. <laughs> He's going back to. <laughs> Going back to the well, uh, that's allows him to choke slam, choke slam Vader off the second rope, which is just a huge, huge bump. Oh! But it only gets a two count because he didn't he didn't hook the leg. Exactly. Uh, Farouk can close on him and pin him, but yeah. a, a second rope, second <laughs> rope choke no slam. I know. Uh, Paul Bear's on the outside just fanning himself with his handkerchief. Yes. He's just having a heart attack on the outside. I love it, man. So good. Uh, Undertaker so goes for another so, choke yeah, that, slam. Yeah, that gets another two count. Yeah, another two count there. And then uh, the throw slash. They're saying no one's ever kicked out of two choke slams before. Oh, yeah. Which I don't I don't know if that's true, but uh sounds good. It might be yeah. true. Yeah, JR, JR says, by my by my, my recollection, I think is what he said, or something like that. So he's not claiming it's the truth. But anyway, yeah, kicks out two choke slams, one of them off the second rope. And then Undertaker gives the old throat slash and hits the uh, tombstone. And that gets us to one, two, three at 12 minutes and 39 seconds. So, um, yeah, tremendous pop, by the way, when he oh, wins. Absolutely. He does the pose. And it, just the fact that he can do a tombstone on Vader. We've seen it a few yeah. times, but it blows my mind every single time he does it. It looks awesome. Yeah. And, I mean, that's props to Vader for being able to get up for that, too. Sure. Props to both guys. Um, well, Takes I, two. I liked it, man. I liked it a lot better than the Royal Rumble match. I thought, much like the second Sid match that we saw, I thought they worked a much faster pace here. And yeah, I mean, Vader does get gassed a little bit, but I think the storytelling here with, uh, the big, uh, Undertaker going hard at first and, and Vader taking over and Undertaker didn't doing these big moves on him and just really the whole atmosphere from the crowd. It, it, I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed watching it. And, uh, I guess you would give it probably more of a thumbs down. Yeah, I, the atmosphere definitely made it for me. I mean, I enjoyed the match. It just wasn't – I actually enjoyed Royal Rumble better, but I would have enjoyed this match probably a whole lot less had the crowd not been the crowd it was. Um, but, again, we're not here to criticize the in-ring quality. I, I hate to do that, but it just – I just noticed from Jump Street, man, it was – Vader was just gassed from the get-go. And I think it's because he was on the you know defense from the, from the beginning. So um, it was just – I don't know. It was noticeable. I hate to. Say, I hate, I'm not picking on him, but it was just. It took it away from me. But I mean, it was. It told a good story. Again, the story's not even with Vader. The story's with Paul Bear. So it doesn't really matter, honestly. At the end of the day, um, but yeah, even like after Undertaker poses at the end, uh, uh, Vince McMahon's like, "No, does his brother really live? We'll find out at SummerSlam, if not earlier." So I don't. I guess he got some memo that Paul Bear is gonna <laughs> tell us to SummerSlam. Like, but he's just again, he's a. He's a promoter. He's trying to sell next pay-per-view. Oh, so. absolutely. <laughs> there you go. And look, man, just, yeah. <laughs> just to put a bow on it, I'll tell you this. Uh, I, I've advocated on here before. We both have. Vader deserves to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. I hope it comes sooner than later. You know, Godspeed to Vader and all his health issues yeah. that he keeps going through. We want to continue to lift him up uh, in, our, in, our, uh, in our thoughts and prayers and uh, hope that he – keeps kicking out and gets to live to see himself go into the hall of fame. But it, even if you don't like this match, if you want to see why Vader is a hall of famer, 
look at his performance here, and then go back to the last week on Raw, where Jim Cornette brings out these two J-Brones called the Squat Team to debut against the Headbangers. Yeah, they were known as the Headhunters in one time. They are two guys of similar build to Vader, two giant... I don't know what what they were. Black Samoan. I'm not not positive. Two just enormous dudes. They had chic boots on, like yeah. Xavier Woods wears now. Yeah, they come out in just the most embarrassing segment I've ever seen on Monday Night Raw. They come out <laughs> trying to do trying to do stuff that Vader does with mm-hmm. ease, trying to do these big splashes and moonsaults and stuff, and. If you think Vader is gassed in this match, look at these two guys after doing one high spot on Raw and one oh, run. Yeah. They are falling over themselves, uh, just gasping for air, no charisma, no intensity, and it just goes to show you how incredible Vader is that Absolutely. he does what he does at his size. It, you can't, it, it takes someone very, very special to do that. You can't just grab any fat guy off the street and no. <laughs> throw him in there to try to do what he's doing. Compare him with those guys, and you'll see why Vader deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, you, you, sure he's got his flaws in his, especially in his WWF career, but just <laughs> that is the shining example right there. Yeah, you're right. Those guys were trash. <laughs> they were awful. I don't think they ever showed up again. No, really that was much. it. They, that was it. Again, they debuted on those episodes of Raw. Los Periquas had new members. Uh, DOA had new members. We got all this new talent on Raw, and honestly. None of them are memorable. No. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, those guys were turds in the bunch pole, man. But, yeah, Vader's the man. Again, I don't want to harp on I, It just took away from me for this particular match, Be, probably because I held him to such a high standard because I know what he is capable of. I, and it just may have been an off night, you know. So um, it, it's not, you know, I don't want our listeners to think I'm knocking on him. Uh, I'm not. It's just, you know, I have him in such a – I have, my expectations are – Super high for Vader matches. So um, it's good stuff. But check it out. Check out this pay-per-view. It's a great pay-per-view. Um, the opening match tells us – we could do a whole podcast about that feud. Uh, honestly, it's fantastic. Sure. So anyway, um, yeah, the main by. event. Yeah. yeah. We, go check it out if you've never seen it. Go check out the Paul Bear and Undertaker promos from yeah. Raw on uh, J- June 23rd, 97, Raw 216. Go check that out and let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we'll put a poll up on what you thought of this match, Undertaker versus Vader, Canadian Stampede. I liked it. Travis, not so much. Let's see where you fall on it. Let's see who you agree with. Prove one of us right over there. Follow us at Talking Taker and on Instagram and Facebook as well. We'll be putting up all the videos, pictures, promos, stuff leading up to the match, fun stuff like that. Clips from WWF Magazine I've been putting up on there. Yeah, uh, a lot cool of fun stuff. stuff, man. Go check it out. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well at Alex Dorio. Of course, if you want to support the show, uh, the best thing you can do is let people know about it, retweet it, share it with your friends and your wrestling buddies. Leave us a review, leave us a comment, five stars, all that good stuff. And of course, you can support us monetarily. Go pick up a ta- Talking Taker, Taker Easy t-shirt, or hey, you can pick up a Bury Me Softly Brother t-shirt as well. We threw yeah. those up <laughs> in honor of the casket match and uh, Rusev's uh, uh Fantastic, uh, infamous tweet over there. So you can pick up one of those uh, silly little shirts over there at tpublic.com if you like. And, man, we'll uh, we'll be back here next week covering a 
pretty big match with SummerSlam 97. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff coming up. Again, this latter part of 97 is some of my my favorite stuff of all time. Uh, and, again, this is right where I hopped in again. And uh, I have to get to this next stuff we're getting to. So, anyway, if you were there at Calgary, the Saddle Dome, uh, what a spectacle. If you were there, let us know. If you were stomping on the ground, shaking the hard cam, let us know. And ladies and gentlemen, most importantly, take her easy. It's a trap! It's a trap!